the Action Network podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is the player props edition of our Experts Guide to Betting series. I'm your host, Maria Marino. Joined once again by Chris Raybon and Sean Kerner, our player prop betting experts. Chris and Sean can be heard every week this fall, both here on the Action Network podcast, as well as the Fantasy Flex podcast. Guys, we just talked recently about fantasy football. Good to have you back. How are we doing? Oh, we are doing very well. Props <laughs> is my props is my favorite topic. I'm I'm ready to go with this. Agree. I, we're we're going to use all of the allotted time and then some on this one. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, great. Well, I better not waste any more time. Um, but before we get into this, let's just talk about what makes you an expert betting player props. What are your qualifications? What sports do you typically target? Uh, Sean, we'll start with you. Uh, so, I mean, I've been a profitable player prop better uh, for over a decade now, almost two decades, but the, the market was so primitive back then. Can't go back <laughs> that far. But, you know, I specialize in player projections and have won numerous accuracy awards in uh, NFL and MLB projections. You can see them around me. Uh, and I target all sports, really. Like, any, I'll bet on anything if I can make a projection on it. But I would say the most bet ones are NFL, obviously, um, college football, MLB, college basketball, NBA, WNBA. Uh, so I guess everything but the NHL. <laughs> How about you, Raybon? Uh, yeah, same thing. Uh, got some of the uh, accuracy, football accuracy trophies behind me. And um, the reason I strive to get those projections so accurate is because I am using them not just for fantasy football each week, but specifically for player props. So even when it comes to like a fourth receiver, I need to have that very, very accurate as the people that follow me uh, very well know. And if you look in my bets in the action app, um, I am like my most bet uh, type of bet is usually props for NFL, NBA. So uh, love props, and I, I think that the prop market is ju there's just so many different bets, so you don't have to restrict yourself to sides and totals. A lot of time, the only bet I'll have on a game uh, is a prop, so I've bet thousands and thousands of props uh, with a pretty good uh, record, I, I must say. Yes, and those records can be found in plain sight on the Action app. Definitely a good idea to follow these two on there, but what I want to know is you know, how hard is it for a regular listener out there or, you know, an average better to become good and profitable at betting player props? Can it be done, Sean? Uh, of course it can be done. Um, it, it's not something that can happen overnight. Uh, and I can't give you magical advice in the next few minutes here to, <laughs> to make you successful better. But, you know, a lot of people are watching the game. A lot of people have, you know, played fancy football um, they're more in tune with the players and actually it's probably tougher to get into spread and total betting. Um, so I think player props are a great way to get into sports betting in general, because you're typically just focusing on that one player, that one stat. So it's easier to kind of hone your process. Um, and again, it's not something that happens overnight. Uh, and the best thing I could say is, you know, whenever I give out a play on the app, I explain my reasoning either in the app and our discord or a written piece or on green dot daily. I try to like show exactly my process for every bet. So, you know, the more you listen to Raybon and myself, uh, mm -hmm. you'll get a better sense of like what exactly we're looking for, 
for various things or what we're trying to avoid. Uh, but really, it's just getting started and getting your your feet wet with it, starting your own process and knowing what works, what doesn't work. And hopefully we can cover some of those things today. Well, if you didn't know, uh, Sean is at the odds maker in the action app. And of course, Chris Raybon there as well. Um, and you also mentioned Sean in their green dot daily. If you, if you didn't know, I'll be back hosting that on a daily basis come football season, but Raybon, I mean, what does it take in your mind for a regular person out there to become good at betting player props? So I think uh, the first thing you have to understand is that this is a, a a very sensitive market because the books aren't spending as much time creating props uh, because there's so many of them. So they're kind of letting the market move uh, the numbers. So what the average person does is they see a matchup. They're like, oh, this guy has a good matchup. I'm going to bet the over. That's probably 95% of prop bettors uh, mm -hmm. is just betting over. So the first thing, bet unders. Like this is this is my advice for sides, totals, and props as well. Look at unders, get good at unders, get good at identifying situations in which uh, you are can reliably predict unders. For example, uh, people that follow me know uh, I'm really good at betting unders on third and fourth wide receiver types, backup tight ends uh, in NFL, things like that, you know, because a lot of times those are just, you know, the average person is, it's not going to be easy to just spot that, but it's also not going to be easy for the books to set those lines. So um, I would say kind of focus on a particular type of market and, and get good at that specific market. And also be fast, bet fast. If you have, if you feel good about a prop, Bet it now. Don't wait because uh, these lines will move. So a lot of times, for example, Sean will come on Green Dot Daily or convince me and he'll give out a line and it'll be like under 36 and a half receiving yards. And before the words are even out of his mouth, it's down to 32 and a half. So um, definitely want to be fast. And that's where the notifications in the action app come in handy because you can get a notification the minute Sean or myself or anyone else uh, post a Prop bet. And the last thing I would say uh, is start to get an understanding of juice and implied probability. Juice just means, you know, on a normal side or total bet, the juice is minus 110 on either side. Usually you have to bet uh, 110 to win 100. But on props, it's usually not going to be even. Right. So you have to understand what, you know, a minus 150 means. That means about a 60 percent implied probability. You have to understand things like that to then understand what exactly you're betting on, because there's rarely going to be a prop where it's minus 110 on either side. And I know a lot of people that when they look to bet props, they're looking for those props that are, you know, kind of evenly juiced or plus juice even. And you're not you're just not going to find many of those. And if you do, they're probably. Uh, bad odds anyway. So you really want to start to get an understanding of juice and implied probability. And you could do that uh, by just going, you know, we have uh, on the Action Network a an implied probability calculator where you could just type in any juice, like, you know, minus 200, and it'll, it'll tell you that that means about a 67% chance. So helpful. I didn't even know we had that. Look at me, I'm learning new things. Uh, but Sean, what else would you say are sort of pillars, um, anything you want to add to what Raybon said for player prop betting? 
Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to player props, you're obviously betting on how that player specifically will perform uh, in that given stat. Uh, but you're also factoring the matchup uh, against the opposing team, how other teammates will perform as well impacts the player prop uh, and how their coach could potentially alter that their usage for that specific game. So I think having an overall understanding about the whole entire game itself uh, helps. And that's kind of how I approach um, prop betting. So um, I think that's also why there's a higher skill gap when it comes to player props. As Rayvon mentioned, you know, books don't spend too much time setting these because there's so many, but also, you know, it's, it's hard to make projections. So some of us that do have an edge over those that don't. So um, that's why the, these are exposed to, you know, sharp action, hence the big line moves, hence why it's so crucial to get the best numbers. Um, unfortunately, it does mean there's lower limits, so you can't bet as much money. Um, so these are more entertainment than things that, you know, you're going to end up, uh, you know, buying a vacation home on a different island by betting player props. But, you know, books kind of know that in the long run, it's really hard to beat sharps when it comes to these. So, uh, again, if you're following our advice and things like that, uh, you can have a pretty big edge. And also just piggybacking what Raybon said, it is important to understand that books are taking most of the action on overs. Um, so everyone rather root for Jamar Chase to go over six and a half receptions than for him to go under. So you kind of have to embrace betting on unders like Raybon said. Um, but also when it comes to just the the theory behind unders, there's a lot more ways for a player to finish under a prop because you know they can get hurt in game, they could get ejected other reasons they're just out of the game for whatever reason um so there's more outs for unders to hit plus the distribution of these stats some of these stats aren't normal distribution so it actually favors unders even more um so there, there's a lot of different outs for unders to hit plus the market typically you know over inflates overs as well so i agree with rabe on that in general um you, you'll want to be attacking unders oh yeah sean's talking distributions talk dirty to me baby i love it <laughs> Uh, what that's, that, that's what I was going to say, like, you know, piggybacking off what you what were mentioning with the normal distributions, what people need to to realize with a lot of these props is the median a lot of times is different from the average. So, for example, you know, going off Jamar Chase, his average receiving yards per game may be 105, but his median may be only 85. And it's just that he had a bunch of you know, a couple of like 200 yard games yeah. that made the average balloon. So a lot of times people will see a line and it will say chase over under 85 and a half receiving yards. And they'll be like, well, he's averaging 105. That's an easy over. <laughs> and then they'll lose 50% of the time. And they'll be like, what the hell? And it's because you didn't understand the distribution and the fact that the median, which is, you know, 50% on each side is not always the same as the average in, especially in a sport like NFL in NBA, uh, you know, they play 82 games and it's a little, you know, for certain stats, it's a little more true to, you know, having uh, the bell curve, but especially in the NFL, um, most of the averages differ from the medians. And that's true in most sports in general with most stats so you really have to get an understanding of the individual stats um how they work what the correlations are you know what drives uh each stat you know uh something as simple as receptions well how do you get there you have to you have to know how many routes a guy's going to run how much he's going to get targeted 
uh, you know, what the quarterbacks, you know, how, how good is he at, at accurately delivering ring passes? Is the receiver running high percentage or low percentage routes, things like that. Uh, game script, you know, if a team gets up, they're going to pass less. So you just have to understand whatever is driving that individual stat and how it's distributed in terms of, you know, is the average me, uh, link it up with the median, but that's just another way that, uh, you could take advantage of unders because books know this too. Books know the average person probably doesn't even know what the hell a median is. <laughs> so they're like, I'm sitting over yeah. here going like, hey, like yes. Hmm. So like, <laughs> I, like, again, a median is just the 50 percentile outcome. You know, half of the yes. results will be above it. Half the results will be below it. But what a lot of times I see the sports books do, because again, they're not spending a ton of time with these projections. A lot of times they'll just use the averages at a 0.5 and that'll be the prop. So there is a big edge if you uh, just understand that simple concept that it's just not as simple as saying, oh, he's averaging this. I'm going to yeah. go over or under. Taking me back to uh, contemporary math class in college. <laughs> I didn't need to take too many math courses being a journalism major. Um, but, you know, you both talked about some like, differences between betting player props and sides and totals. But what would you say is like uniquely challenging about the prop side of things, Sean, is it just that it's really difficult to make projections like you said? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does uh, take a lot more effort to make a whole set of player projections and just having a take on a side or total. Um, I think one of the, the more like underlying things that I think is challenging about player props is something I mentioned earlier. Um, it, you're much more attached to uh, more random things like in-game injuries, ejections, mm -hmm. foul trouble, you know, guy yeah. getting fouled out, anything that forces a player out of the game. Um, once that happens, you know, the prop's done with. He's out of the game for the rest of the game. Uh, ideally, you had the under in that situation, but if you had the over, you're screwed. Even if you handicapped it correctly, um, that's just the way it is. Whereas, Aside or total, even if it was a key player, like, you know, LeBron James is out for the rest of the game, you still at least have a chance. Yeah. You know, the Lakers will cover the spread or the overall hit, but for a player prop, it's done. Um, so that's probably the the one thing that you have the least amount of control with when it comes to player props. But otherwise, I think every other factor, um, when it comes to, you know, versus sides and totals, you have more control over, you know, what you can process and like your you can uh, project for a player because it's a more specific individual stat. But when you do that, it comes at a cost where if they have to leave the game due to injury, you know, it's up in the air. But uh, that would, I would say that's the one thing that I think is the most challenging about player props. Rayvon, anything else? Oh man. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of things that are challenging, but the, it's, it's rewarding uh, if you can kind of master it. So I think there's, there's certain things like, for example, um, in addition to injuries potentially tanking your over, which is why, again, you want to bet <laughs> unders, but you also have to realize that, and I, I run into this a lot, but most player prop bets are must, uh, must start for action or must play for action, which means if you bet on, let's say, Cameron Brait to go under a half a yard, but he doesn't play a snap. They, the book could void that bet. So you uh, you have to kind of under, like there's a nuance to it, to like even to betting unders. Um, obviously, we already mentioned the lines are going to move a lot quicker. Um, a lot of times I've seen, uh, I'll be 
banging a prop on a couple of books and then go to like another book to bet it again. And it will get removed from that book. So um, you have to really be uh, aware of, of line movement. You have to act quickly and you have to have, I, I would recommend having multiple options for sports books. So you can get the best number when you're just starting out. And if you're successful, you're going to realize pretty quickly that you're going to need uh multiple books just to get as much uh money down as you want because as sean mentioned the limits are 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 uh, lower then you have the issue that uh as i mentioned the juice isn't always minus 110 on each side sometimes there are certain markets where it's just overpriced throughout so i, I think the touchdown market is a good example of this where usually not only are you paying more than 10 percent per player but there's really no edge on anyone it's everyone is just kind of overpriced and a lot there there's also the issue where unlike a side or a total where you can bet you know favorite or dog over or under uh there's a there's a quite a few player prop markets where you can only bet one side like touchdowns you usually can bet a player to score but you can't bet a player not to score so mm. I, I tend to avoid those markets but i think the biggest the biggest uh challenge mm. with player props is when you have an angle on a game, on a player, and you make a prop bet based on that angle, and you end up betting against yourself. And I'll give some examples uh, because I think they're really important. So let, let's say the first example, let's say you think DK Metcalf has a really tough matchup going against cornerback Darius Slay. So you're like, all right, I'm going to bet Metcalf under four and a half receptions and then the game starts it's playing out exactly as you thought you know slay is is just blanketing metcalf up and down the field but all of a sudden you know after going catch us in the first half to compensate geno smith says to hell with it start just start running little shorter routes little bubble screens so they start targeting metcalf on all these little underneath routes and he ends up finishing with 10 catches for only 51 yards so you were kind of right about the fact that Metcalf would struggle, but he still uh, went over his reception prop that you bet the under, so you lost. So you have to really understand um, the types of receivers and what can happen uh, or for any prop, like what can happen if this player is to struggle, like how will they adjust? Because it can happen in reverse as well. Like let's say Terry McLaurin, uh, you think he's going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. And so you bet his yardage under like 60 and a half yards, let's say. And Ramsey shadows McLaurin, just like you thought. Quiet, all game, few pass breakups, except for one 68-yard bomb where Ramsey stumbles a little bit and, and he gives up a 68-yard yeah. bomb. Now, you lose that yardage prop and he finishes with one catch, so you would have won the reception prop because you you what you failed to consider was that when a player goes in single coverage, a lot of times, an elite receiver in single coverage, even against an elite corner, they're still yeah. going to get some deep targets. So you really have to understand the players involved and how the adjustments will be made. And I'll give one more just for overbetters because I think you know this is where mo most people are still going to bet overs, even though we 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 tell y'all not to. So I got y'all. Like <laughs> let's say let's say you like Nick Chubb. He's going against like the terrible Bears defense run defense it's the worst run defense in the league you're like they're going to force feed nick chubb uh, so you bet over 17 and a half carries and the game starts and chubb immediately just runs through the bears defense like swiss cheese finishes with 180 yards three touchdowns but he was too efficient 
It only took him 15 carries because he, he was getting these huge chunks and finishing yeah. runs with touchdowns. So in that situation, uh, the yardage over would have been better. So generally, matchup wise, you want in, in football, especially you want to look at um you know the the yardage more and like playing time that's when you're looking at the volume props like maybe the guy the backup is injured or the game script something like that but individual just like matchup strength usually you're gonna uh it's gonna be you're gonna have a better bet uh with yardage but and the same thing in the nba like you could think a player has a really tough one-on-one uh matchup but like if it's a player like let's say Devin Booker who usually gets doubled and now all of a sudden you know Pat Bev is on him but he's getting singled out he could still cook him and go to work yeah so like if you bet the under on his points prop and he drops 45 you're gonna feel stupid so uh you really have to kind of think of all the different range of outcomes like okay if this happens then what will happen and you really want to kind of gut check these things like you don't need to make these projections like Sean and I are doing that's what gives us our edge but you you could just be, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, well versed in whatever sport and players you're betting on, but you still have to think about those, um, you know, kind of derivatives of, of what of what could happen based on your prediction. Man, those are some um, debilitating examples that you provided <laughs> there, Raybon. I mean, look, there are so many variables, including like what adjustments to your point um, teams may make and you know, so it's like, it's critical thinking. Like you have to think about, you know, what's the obvious and then like look a little bit deeper. Um, but Sean, I mean, I feel like I need some like positive examples of <laughs> like how, uh, you know, your um, masterful like game planning like worked out. Are you are you ready to share any of those? Oh, like a prop that went well? <laughs> yeah. Or um... like not... Like something that was like not expected that like something that you like really felt like, you know, you were thinking about it in a way that most people weren't. Yeah. I think a recent example would have been a strikeout prop. Um, Blake Snell had a prop of six and a half strikeouts. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was a number he had cleared in like eight straight games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I was showing quite a bit of value on the under. And in that situation, I was just figuring like, everybody's hammering his over right now. How could you not? Um, so, you know, I, I looked into, you know, the underly, underlying reason why I was maybe showing some value on his under. And I saw that, um, well, Blake Snell, he tends to strike people out by getting them to chase pitches outside of the strike zone. Uh, and he had faced a handful of teams that just swing freely at pitches outside of the strike zone. So he's racking up strikeouts. Well, he had a matchup against the Blue Jays, who are a very disciplined team. Uh, they don't, you know, chase many pitches outside of the strike zone. So that was probably why I was showing some value. And sure enough, a lot of those potential strikeouts he had over the past month turn into walks. So he ended up walking five or six batters, only struck out four. And that was specifically based on the matchup. And, you know, the, the number itself was probably inflated just because everybody was on his over based on recent, you know, form. So that, I think that was a good example of just, everything that I kind of want when I'm betting on a prop happened there where it's, I'm kind of going against the grain, but there was a reason for that. And then watching the game, you could just see it unfold perfectly. So uh, I would say that's, that's a good example of just like ideally what I'm looking for when I'm betting on a prop. Raybon, I know you have plenty of stories like that too. We'll get, we'll get to some more uh, thrills of betting player props um, a bit later, but to your point, Sean, it's like, it's not just look about looking at the production, the numbers, like what the players typically do. It's like how they do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, taking into account all of those outside 
factors such as their coaches, uh, teammates, et cetera. Um, now we talked about a couple of little tools that you guys might have in your toolkit or recommend to others to have, uh, such as Raybon, you mentioned like the implied probability calculator, probability, I stumbled over that one. Um, but uh, what other like, what other resources have we not mentioned? Anything else that you want to throw out there? Yeah, so, you know, Sean and I are, have both have numerous in, in NFL uh, top five fantasy accuracy finishes. And here at Action, we actually take those projections from Sean and I, uh, and we have a props tool where you can see our projection versus the uh, lines across all of the sports books for each you know individual player stat. And it, it'll calculate the edge for you and you can sort it by, you know, stat, by edge, by, by odds, by whatever you want. So I think that's a really great tool. And then if you're kind of more interested in, uh, you know, kind of going out on your own and kind of formulating, you know, kind of coming up with your own uh, uh, bets for, for player props, I think you always want to start with game log data. I think that's really yeah. important because when you're what, when you're thinking about player props, again, it always comes back to probability. Usually one side is going to be more heavily juiced than the other. And so I, not everyone's going to have the, you know, capacity and the tools to, you know, go and like simulate something 10,000 times, but, you know, just by like looking at a player's game logs and okay, how many times did this, did he go over uh, his rebound, you know, five and a half rebounds? How many times, you know, in, and then you can look at similar matchups, things like that, just to kind of start getting an idea of the probabilities. And also a lot of times, because these are softer markets, you know, I, I can, there's been countless times when I've gone on shows, Sean's gone on shows and we've been like, Hey, we're betting this uh, under and it's actually hit. 68% of the time this season already. And it, because, you know, again, the books aren't, are using very kind of simple methods uh, to create these props. A lot of the times they're rounding, uh, they're probably using just a, like recent game uh, data. So like, it, it's all very uh, basic. So if you can just start to kind of get an idea of what the true probability you'd expect if, if this did play out, you know, 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, and you could do that by just looking at game log of similar matchups of, of the same player or, or even of similar players if, you know, let's say you're early in the season or a guy's a rookie, um, but just start kind of getting used to looking at, at game logs pro football reference, basketball reference, baseball reference, hockey reference, they all have them uh, for their individual sports. Uh, stat muse, a lot of people like, cause you can kind of query it and, um, you know, do, do different things in that. Or, or you could just kind of import it, import it, copy and paste, scrape, whatever you do into your own spreadsheet. And, and I like that because then I can really, you know, sort and filter uh, with ease uh, when I have it in my own spreadsheet and, and, and I can kind of add extra notes. Like if I want to mark down every time a player, let's say in the NFL uh, played with a certain injury, I can have that at a game log and just filter out for, okay, knee injuries and see how a player performs. So uh, that's, that's, I think a really important tool uh, is, uh, is just game logs and then defense versus position. Uh, Cause we're talking about matchups here more often than not. So uh, you usually want to understand you know, the defense and, and how they're affecting teams. And, you know, for example, uh, in the NFL, you could look at pass defense versus running backs and you have to understand the reasons behind it too. Cause you don't want it to just be, you know, small sample size variants or whatever, but let's say a team doesn't give up much production to running backs in a passing game. 
Uh, if that team also blitzes a lot, well, then that checks out because a team that blitzes a lot, the running back, instead of going in a pass route, he's going to have to stay in the block more. Um, so just kind of being aware uh, of things like that, I think is huge. In the NFL, snap data is crucial. Snaps, routes, percentage of, you know, uh, of uh, targets, percentage of targets per route, things like that. Um, in the NBA, on and off data is massive for player props. And uh, at Fantasy Labs, we have an on-off tool where you can filter for any dates and uh, any amount of minutes or anything like that. Because like depending on the five players or you know, sometimes just a combination of two or three guys on the floor, uh, different rebounding trends will emerge, different assist trends will emerge. You know, um, I'm sure the Suns are going to be interesting this year, you know, with, you know, the, their different lineup combinations because they don't really have a true point guard. So depending on their lineup combinations, you know, a lot of times Booker may be that the guy who's getting the most assists, but other times it might be uh, Bradley Beal, for example. Yeah. So just kind of understand uh, using on off, uh, some type of on-off tool to to really sort that out is how you're going to get an edge in props. Because usually with the NBA, the way you get an edge in the NBA market is injuries, right? Like an injury hits, somebody scratch, and it's like, oh, well, now this guy's going from, you know, 15 minutes to 30 minutes. And how is that going to affect everyone else? You know, if he's like a, a good rebounder, then he, you know, you might have value on like two other rebound unders in that game because he knocks their rebounds per 36 down, you know, by two rebounds each, the, the other two forwards or something like that. So I think on-off data for, for the NBA is crucial. And then for the NFL, the on-off data really is just kind of your snaps, your routes, your your targets per route, because with that kind of data, then you can account for whatever situation, uh, you know, has popped up in the, in the individual game that you're uh, betting on. Okay, super interesting. And I mean, it might be obvious, but I think, you know, following the news is it, it's a given, but sometimes you're so focused on a specific player and you're forgetting about, you know, another player either being added in or like subtracted from the equation. And because it might not be a big injury, it might be they're just banged up or, you know, something, something of that nature. I remember um, pitching a, uh, a WNBA prop to our, our friend, Sean Kerner here, not that long ago, I think I was given like a B or like a B plus maybe um, because I was so focused on like whatever player uh, I think it was like a rebounding total or was it Deladon? No, it, no, that one should have hit. That was, oh, oh. no, it was, I think it was McKay, Yeah. Um, because, and it wasn't anything to do with her per se. It was, that another player, I think it was Azurae Stevens, mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that they were like, she was returning to the team for whatever reason. So obviously, um, you know, just like really having a pulse on all the news is, a, is important. But um, what other tools, uh, Sean, did you want to highlight? Well, I mean, Raybon covered it very well. Uh, I would just say, you know, check out our projections um, in the app. Uh, in our pro tool um, to those help identify which props we're showing value on. Uh, and then you can kind of look into them from there. But um, for just when it comes to like stats, I look at, let's just look at the NFL and let's look at receiving props specifically. Um, mm -hmm. So if I'm building projections for those or like analyzing the market, the first part is knowing how often will that player be on the field running or out? Uh, you can't catch a pass if you're staying on the sideline. So they have to be on the field running or out. So looking at routes run data is key to understand, you know, like how often they'll be on the field, potentially getting a target. Uh, the next thing you want to look at is 
you know, how often that team is going to throw the ball that game. So I like to look at early down pass rate for teams uh, in neutral situations um, because, you know, based on the matchup, you know, they, they could be an underdog where they're going to be ex- expected to throw more or a favorite where they're going to run the ball more. So just having a sense on how many times the team will throw um, specifically when that player's on the field um, is kind of how I, you know, produce targets and things like that. So uh, you, you also want to look at the player's target rate. Um, and then after that, uh, how far down the field will he be getting his targets? So we look at average depth of target. So that mm-hmm. tells you how far down the field he's typically seeing his targets. And that's basically how you come up with the, a receiving projection. And one thing I'll note, uh, I think average depth of target is very important when it comes to prop betting, because if a player typically sees their targets way downfield, it means they're less likely to catch the ball but if they do, you know, they're going to have a ton of yards. Uh, so that makes them more volatile. Uh, whereas a player that sees targets closer to the line of scrimmage, they're going to be more likely to catch them, but maybe not get as many yards. So I consider that whether I'm betting on a receptions prop or a receiving yards prop. Some guys are going to be have a higher floor or ceiling in those prop, uh, prop markets. So um, that's just one example of just like looking at receiving props, the type of stats I look at how to consider it. And if you find an angle in one or two of those stats I gave, uh, typically you can find some value on that prop. So I think that just looking through the process of what it takes for a player to get receptions is how I would attack a receiving prop market. And that's a, that's a great point because uh, bringing up average up to target, because not only is it very instructive in, in terms of the whole operation of, you know, getting a target, but the other key thing about average depth of target and as well as route rate, um, you know, snap rate, whatever you want to call it, is these stats are very sticky, which means that they don't you don't need a large sample size of those stats for them to become predictive. Like uh, I believe for wide receivers, after about 25 targets, you can you could you have it's about 50-50 already, you know, skill and luck just right there. So like it doesn't take long to stabilize at all. Um, you know, average up the target and routes and snaps, snap rate is it takes even less time, sometimes just a, a couple of games, and you can get a, a pretty good idea. Like if you see a player has run 80% of the routes for two straight games, you can be fairly confident that they're going to, you know, run 75 to 85% routes in that next game. So um, I, I think th- that's also key understanding that some of the, the, the stats that you're actually betting on, you know, uh, receiving yards, receptions, things like that, they may be volatile, but the under there are underlying metrics that are more stable that you can use to kind of back in to uh, uh, you know a projection, which is kind of what Sean is, is is alluding to. And you don't you don't really even need again to just like set up a whole spreadsheet if you just kind of know this mm-hmm. stuff and um, you can kind of just do it uh, back of the envelope math. Um, and one more tool before we we move on that I will say. Um, you know, I think it's a lot less valuable for things like sides and totals, but it's a lot more valuable for props is narratives is beat reports is and things like that. Because uh, for example, uh, I was reading uh, an article from a beat reporter uh, during that Celtic Sixers series uh, beat reporter for the Celtics. And, you know, it was when the Celtics were, were struggling against the Sixers and uh, they were like, you know, uh, 
they really need some toughness. You know, that was kind of the narrative. Like the Celtics, they've lost their edge. They don't really have their toughness. Um, and and they, they've lost their defensive identity. And it was it was heading into game six. And I, in my head, I'm like, that's a very good point. Now, what can they do? Like, how, how would, like, if that narrative were to come true, like, how would that look on the court? And I was like, the only thing that I could see them doing, the only adjustment I could see them making to get more toughness and defense is reinserting Rob, Rob Williams, Time Lord, into the starting lineup. He was not starting the first five games. So the books were listing his props as if he was a bench player. So he was like, it was like six and a half, five and a half points, six and a half rebounds or something. Bang the overs on the points, the rebounds, the points, rebounds, assists. And then a few hours later, it gets announced that Robert Williams is going to start game six. And I got massive value. And of course the lines change. So that that's a, like for, for size and totals, you can, you, you can kind of do more harm than good a lot of times with narratives, but with props, when it gets down to the specifics, um, yeah. the beat reports and narratives and things like that uh, can be a big help. And that's why it's also helpful to kind of, if you want to focus in on a couple of teams or a division or, or a certain kind of stat to where you're looking for certain things within those narratives, uh, it makes it even uh, better. Like I love looking for um, kind of lineup, uh, anticipating lineup changes in the NBA because the books will list usually the starters and maybe like the top two or three bench players. So if like the guy who is like eighth in the rotation suddenly starts, uh, you could get massive value and vice versa from, you know, the guy that's going to get benched. That's a good reason to, you know, listen to post-game press conferences, to, you know, listen to the reports coming out of the game. And and again, betting early, uh, Raybon, before you you actually get the official word on the lineups, uh, starting lineups and and so on. Um, and and that was a really good um betting opportunity that you just sort of outlined. But Sean, I'm curious what would be sort of your ideal player prop betting opportunity. Um, I'm not sure which sport you would prefer to highlight, but. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different things that would lead to a, you know, ideal betting opportunity, but I'll just go back to that Blake Snell prop I gave earlier. Um, You know, that, that was a prop where he had recently gone over like eight games. It was like eight or nine games in a row. Um, so you'll typically in that situation, you'll typically see the market get inflated because everyone's just overreacting to the recent game log. Um, and now I don't really just want to blindly fade recent performance or necessarily the public, but if I'm sort of able to identify, you know, why he's been on fire and why that might change in the upcoming matchup for any reason, um, that's like the ideal prop opportunity for me. Um, because I think we're, we're getting a good number and just based on underlying data or whatever I find or a narrative, something like that uh, could buck that trend. Like those are my favorite uh, batting opportunities when it comes to player props. Right. It, it's all about finding like which which of these trends is like a fugazi. Like what, yeah. <laughs> what you know, what's the um, what's the what's the deeper reasoning um, behind this? And, um, you know, like you said, how could it change? Were there any other betting opportunities, um, Raybon, you wanted to highlight? Yeah, I think it's the when you talk about ideal prop bet opportunities, uh, let's put everything together that we've kind of discussed so far. So we know we want to kind of target unders and we know that, you know, game scripts and things like that play uh, a big part. So my my ideal opportunity uh, is usually there's when there's some kind of situation where the books uh, are setting a line in a certain market where it doesn't accurately take 
into account a player's playing time uh, projection, whether that's because of injury, whether that's because of game script, whether that's just because of uh, a coach's decision, you know, maybe they're getting more or less playing time. So uh, I'll give some examples. Uh, You know, let's say a receiver uh, has seen, has seen his routes decrease. Like he started the year and he was, that third receiver and he was running around about 70% of the time, but he's kind of fallen to fourth on the pecking in the pecking order. And he's only running around maybe 20 to 30% of the time now, but he's gotten lucky and he's still putting up the same, you know, catches and yards. Cause you know, he's just kind of gotten lucky, maybe a couple good matchups. So a lot of times the books won't, take that into account because they're actually basing their projection just on the game log and the recent per game averages. And so you can, you like, if you have a guy projected to run half the routes, like it naturally he's his yeah. odds of, you know, catching the same amount of pa- uh, passes for the same amount of yards as he was before is going to go down. So you want to bang the under. And I remember specifically uh, going up to meet with Kerner up in, in Long Beach and uh, met him at the bar, and I, I, I was—I think it was like a Friday, so which is usually when the prop, props come out. So I—I I think I had just entered a Kenneth Walker uh, receiving yards under, and it was like under like eight and a half or, or ten and a half or something like that. And Sean was like, "Yo, I, I couldn't even like I—I I wish I would have seen that too, because like that's a ridiculous prop." And the <laughs> reason was because you know they were essentially projecting Kenneth Walker for like one catch or one and a half catches where, but if you looked at his snap and route data, he was only running a route like 8% of the time. Like he was going to run like maybe like two or three routes tops in this game. There's like, you know, the average running back gets targeted a little under 20% of his route. So there's no way if you're running like three or four routes that you're going to be projected to catch one ball, much less uh, more than one. So like little things like that, uh, you can catch, big edges on and another ideal opportunity is when you're you have in the NFL or or college football when they're the book because they're always going to set multiple props on quarterbacks quarterbacks is the you know most popular position it's the it's yeah. the it's a sexy position right so you're going to get pass attempts completions interceptions yards uh passing touchdowns sometimes quarterback rushing yards as well if a quarterback is a benching risk bang the unders like i remember we were on one of the i think it was a convince me a, a thursday night convinced me and yeah. it was a couple i think it was the covid year whatever year when the, the the patriots had the unfortunate uh uh luck of having to start cam newton for like 15 games and, <laughs> uh, like that you know the ghost of cam newton not right not cam newton, but <laughs> he was going against the rams defense when it was still good and they still had ramsey and all these guys i think it might have been their super bowl year or the year before but um so I'm looking at this matchup and I'm like, there's just no way that Cam Newton is going to complete passes for yards in this game. And like, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. Like it's going to be yeah. so bad that like he, he's a real risk of getting bad. Cause he was already playing poorly. And sure enough, like he does nothing in, you know, like the first, I guess, half or three quarters and uh and ends up getting benched and and i had like all of his under just like across the board and usually i don't like you know generally speaking i don't like to you know correlate a bunch of props i think that's something that another thing that people get a little too pretty with because especially with the rise of like same game parlay and all that but realistically you you want you don't want correlation between your bets because a lot like there is always going to be some type of situation where um what like one of your bets might eat into another one. Like if you have, 
uh, a running back yardage over and a receiving on the opposite team, a receiver's yardage uh, under, well, you know, if you get into a certain game script, you know, you might, that, that, like one of those two is probably going to have to hit for the other one to hit. Like, you know, either receiver is going to have to get more yards so that running back can, um, you know, get back on the field and continue to kill the clock or vice versa. So like try to avoid too many bets in one yeah. game. If there's a big slate, try to instead, like my ideal with props is usually have at least one prop in every game rather than like eight props in one game. Uh, and even if you are going to do a parlay, I would much rather you do a parlay with eight different bets from eight different games than eight bets from one game, even though it seems easier the other way, but that's how the books get you. Wow. Beware. Choose your prop bets carefully. You know, I'm curious, the increased popularity of, of player props, like, how how has that impacted the market? Like, do you think it's made it harder or easier for you to do what you do, Sean? Uh, it's sort of a mixed bag because I think it's it's definitely helped make the market sharper over the years because the just books are taking more action, so they have to take them more seriously. Back in the day, they yeah. would just throw a line and move on, but now you know there's so much demand that they have to offer these props, they have to take them seriously. Uh, but however, like with more overall volume, we do see a lot more novice bettors, people just getting into sports betting, betting on player props. So, you know, there maybe isn't as much sharp money. Uh, again, I think that's that's only going to that's going to inflate props a bit more. So there's going to be a lot more action on overs that can inflate the market. So it has, um, you know, created some bad numbers. But overall, overall, it's a lot sharper than it was, I want to say, a decade ago just mm -hmm. because I think books are taking it more seriously. There's probably just, you know, there's more data and tools at their disposal itself to, to make the lines more accurate. But um, yeah, overall, I think it has been sharper, but it's still beatable. Yeah, I, I actually think, I, I think it's all positive because I, I, and we get these reports, you know, we get uh, press releases here at Action from the various sports books. So we'll get uh, an email and in it, for example, will contain, um, you know, let's let, let like it'll most be like player props, right? It'll be like most bet yeah. player props. Ninety nine percent of bets <laughs> on over Travis Kelsey receiving yards, like and so like like the more people that come, I, I just want to reinforce this because remember this is a market and it's a market that reacts to handle and and the amount of money coming in a bet. The more and more people come in, it's never proportional to the amount of sharp bets. So like for every person like Kerner coming in the market new, there's 10,000 people that just want to bet on it over to, to enjoy, you know, to enjoy watching a game and having some action and having something to root for. So I think that it's made, it still creates an edge. And I think the two, the two big ways that it creates an edge are in betting unders across the board, because again, all this money's coming in overs, but also a, a little bit overlooked. And one that I like to target all the time is people also don't like betting juice, right? So let's say you have Steph Curry over six and a half assists, but it's minus 160, right? P people might look at that and say, Okay, like that's a that's a stay away from me. I'm no way I'm I'm laying minus 160, right? But this goes back to knowing your probabilities. If you feel like Steph has like a 75% chance of getting seven or more assists, that means the line should be minus 300. 
Hmm. The line is minus 150. That's massive value. And it's not only massive value, but it's massive untouched value because no one wants to bet it. So the books are still trying to entice people to take those numbers. And so if you are going to bet an over, this is going to go contrary to what most people would probably look for. But I actually would look for uh, juiced up overs because value is value, whether you're getting it on uh, you know, a plus 150 or a minus 150. Like if that minus 150 should be minus 250, that's mm -hmm. still value the same way if a plus 150 should really be, you know, even money. Like there's, there's, it's, there's an edge is an edge, a win is a win, and you control how much money that you put down. So if you want to put, if you norm, if your unit size is normally 100, but you want to bet one 150 to win the 100, you can do that. Like, yeah. like you control how big or small your win is. So I hate when people, I hate hearing, it just frustrates me when it, when people are like, oh, I don't want to bet this because of the juice. It's like, it's not about the juice. It's about the value and the edge. Like mm -hmm. the find out what you think the true probability of, of, of the prop hitting is, compare it to the probability of the books listed odds. And if there's a gap of, you know, 10% or more. Uh, some people go even less depending on, you know, what your what kind of market it is. Bet it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if there's a, if it's a minus 500 and it should be minus 2,000, I'm betting, I'm max betting it every single time. Like, so I think that's a tip that goes way underlooked because people just tend to shy away uh, from juice, but it's not about the juice, it's about the value. You control how much money you make based on how much you put down. That was such an epic speech. I feel like I want to get up and like run through a wall right now. And then get on a minus 500. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, we are almost done here. We got to get out of here in just a minute, but um, did want to touch on live betting really quick when it comes to player props. Sean, any thoughts on how to approach that? Yeah, so you know, live props are tricky, uh, and ideally, you would have some sort of model to attack them. But you know, it's also something you could do based on feel. Um, you know, if you're out watching the game, if you have like an angle on something, you know, they're they're more entertaining if you're doing it that way. But um, for something like NFL, you know, these change based on the current game script. So if a team's trailing by a lot, you know, they're more likely to pass, while a team with a bigger lead is more willing to run. Now, the market does a pretty good job of factoring that in, um, and we're actually going to have a live player prop tool um, in our app and on our website uh, for the upcoming NFL season, so you can identify, you know, spots we're showing value with our projections. But one other thing that, um, you know, with live props, I found, uh, again, going back to baseball as an example, I found as a way to kind of get the best number. Um, you know, if I like an under on a pitcher, going into the game, um, there, there's some spots where I, I say to wait and bet it in game because um, the first time through the order for baseball, the, the pitcher has a huge advantage. Um, that's typically where they're going to be racking up strikeouts. Once every batter has seen that pitcher at least once, the K rate drops. So a lot of times these pitchers that I'll have an under on pregame, you know, they, they have a hot start and then the prop goes up by a couple strikeouts. And then I like the under even more. So I got better at just knowing you could wait until that moment happens where they, you know, they have their advantage the first time through the order and then take the under in game. So it, it presents you, uh, you know, an opportunity to get a better number in game than you would have pregame. And if you know how to spot that, uh, you can really, you know, rack up your ROI that way. So it just gives you another angle, another market to kind of attack, um, even like using a pregame analysis to get there. 
Rayvon, do you um, take advantage of opportunities like that in game, such as, you know, NBA, uh, if, if a player goes down with an injury mid game or, you know, like, do you try to anticipate that um, as well? Yeah. Although I will say this, I'm usually personally, this is just me. I'm usually not going into a game necessarily looking to live bet. I think okay. injuries are a really good example of, you know, I remember there was the, remember that Hawks Bucks playoffs. Uh, I think it was, what was it? The Eastern conference semis or the finals. The year the Bucks won the chip. Um, the yeah. Hawks were giving them a, a lot of trouble. And I remember at one point the, the Bucks were favored. I think it was by 10 going into that game. And, but they were, it was like the third quarter. They were down by six. So the Hawks were, were, were hanging strong. And then Giannis just went down in a heat. And the thing you have to remember is, um, you know, like these, a lot of the, the prop, the prop algorithms are, they're, they're just algorithms. Like they're just based on time remaining and things like that. So like Giannis goes down and, you know, you can, you know, now you have the opportunity if you can get it to like smash a, a Chris Middleton over or a, a Drew Holiday over or something like that. So those, those are the, the, the opportunities that I think usually make the most sense because the thing about the mixed live betting tricky is, you're going to have a lot of biases and things and like, you're going to have a lot less time to react. So you definitely do want to have a plan and, and kind of really know what you're doing. Um, if you're going to partake, but I will say this, like my philosophy, when it does, when it comes to live betting outside of, you know, the injuries, which are obvious when you're live betting player props bet on what you're not seeing, not what you are seeing, because I think the average person they feel like, okay, I know, I know a little bit about, you know, these teams and, and I'm pretty dialed in here. So uh, let's say you're, you're watching the, the, the Seahawks and Kenneth Walker is just ripping through the Rams defense in the first quarter. It just big run after big run. You're like, oh man, Kenneth Walker is really running well today. The line is blocking. Well, uh, I'm going to bet his over uh, because I, I like the, I like what I see from Kenneth Walker. I would do, I would look for bets on the opposite. Maybe it's bets on the passing game. Maybe I'm betting a Walker under because there is so like, there are so many more things um, that could happen. Like for example, the first 15 plays are scripted. So, you know, maybe after those first 15 Walker is not as involved, maybe after the first drive or two where he's uh, just running through the defense, the, the coordinator, uh, the D coordinator makes an adjustment or at halftime, he makes an adjustment. Maybe they're using Walker, early to set up the play action game with Gino to Jackson Smith and Jigba later on in the game. So they're like what you, and on top of that, if you're betting on what you're seeing, you're going to get the worst of the number because right. if, if you're watching a player succeed or do poorly and the books are adjusting in real time based on what's what you're seeing in front of you. So uh, uh, like you're, you're just not going to get value that way. So you want to bet on like anticipate um, and also remember that in the, the it's like a streaming world now everyone's streaming uh there's usually a delay so uh, true. Yeah. something to keep in mind for that, sure meanwhile sean is smiling that's, that's, oh my god that that's such a great example raybon gave like I, I thought of an example um of when you know trevor lawrence he threw four interceptions in the first quarter he had like 13 yards um would that have been a spot where you'd buck the trend and bet the over there uh yes but i i remember i think i think i remember being 
uh, pretty inebriated and just oh, okay. right. uh, shitting on Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence. And, and, then, and, then, and then taking a nap and waking up and yeah. somehow the Jaguars we were, were ahead. Maria, we were arguing <laughs> over that prop for at least 15 minutes in front of everybody. Uh, screaming match. And then um, he passed out. Raybon passed out uh, and woke up uh, after, you know, the Jaguars miraculous comeback. <laughs> Lawrence had like over 300 yards, but I think that's a good example of what Raybon's talking about where yeah. nobody in the world watching that game would have thought that Trevor Lawrence was going to end up with 300 plus yards. Uh, but his, his prop kept dropping. And I said, I think it's a good time to bet the over, but I, I think uh, Raybon made a very good point there, but I just remember that example. We were arguing in game over yes. a player prop. Yeah. And, and also just remember again, I always come back to like, if you're going to be live betting, just be prepared to deal with all of the stuff that comes with it. Cause for example, like in this particular situation, like if I was in my right mind, would I have ever <laughs> argued with Sean about that? No, like you don't know how many dumb bets I've made with Sean where I am just not quite in my right mind. I'm having a little too much fun and i'll let people you know whatever you think well, that that's... means but like and like oh. i i have bet i have bet on i have bet sean james Prochet to catch 50 passes in a season i've i told him i wouldn't bet the the lawrence over uh i wouldn't i told him i wouldn't bet the brady over in that game where they ski were ball, down like 40 ski ball props ski ball yeah props. ski ball props. it's um, like so like you have to remember that like if you're going to in like live betting is you have to treat it like an investment just like anything else like unless, if you're doing it just recreationally then that's that but right. like if not yeah. remember it's just like any other investment you have to have a plan you have to be prepared and you have to understand where you may run into to trouble and errors and times yes. where you may not be able to react uh quickly enough or your judgment may may just be off so those are all things to kind of keep in mind when you're betting live but it's just not the, the biggest thing is just don't bet what you see bet on something you're not seeing because that's where the value is going to be at. Wow. I mean, that was, that sounds like it was a, a pretty big thrill, uh, Sean, in your prop betting career, I guess. Cause you ended up putting the bet on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like uh, Raybon doesn't remember that, but we, we did bet that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not a, that I don't remember. I wasn't uh, like, I was, yeah. I, was, I was sleeping. I didn't <laughs> forget it. Like I just, I was literally no way of for me to remember. Well, you were, it's my fir yeah, first time exactly. hearing about this actually. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Any other, um, any other thrills or just favorite experiences that you guys want to, want to brag on or that you sort of wish you could have um, before we say goodbye? Well, just when it comes to like the thrill of player, player props, there's so much fun. Um, and I, I think the biggest thrill for me is like when I write up a prop or I explain like how it's going to go and it goes as planned and it hits, but it's also thrilling when I get it completely wrong and still win. And my favorite example was, uh, the Super Bowl uh, four or five years ago, Patrick Mahomes, I had under like 29 and a half rushing yards. He was at like 41, right. With two minutes left in the game, horrible bet. I lost that. Right. But he kneeled down in a way he was trying to shave some time off the clock. He kneeled down in a way where he was taking off five, six yards at a time. So he actually rushed for like minus 11, minus 12 yards at the end of the game to go under by like a yard and a half or something like that. So that was an example of where I completely got it wrong. He scrambled more. He rushed more than I thought, but in the end it won because of some, you know, bullshit thing like that. So sometimes it can still go your way even when you get it wrong. So that's when it comes to player props, it's by far the best sweat.
And even though we're talking about thrills, Sean's still dropping knowledge because that is another great tip. When betting quarterback rushing yard unders, oh. a lot of times people forget about kneel down. So like you might be looking at, uh, let's say Ryan Tannehill is on like a three or four game losing streak. And, and so he has, he's getting like, you know, eight, nine rushing yards a, a game, but that, but now the Titans are big favorites over the Texans or something. And his prop is at like four and a half. And you're like, Oh, that's an easy over. He's done that like each of the last five games, but the, you're not factoring in that. He'll probably get minus two or minus three uh, on a kneel down. So um you know, that that's another thing to, to to keep in mind. But as far as as far as thrills, like I'm just a sick, sick, sadistic, like under lover. So like I just like, love you like to embrace the ugly. Yes. So like I love like things like when you have a running back uh rushing yard under and he gets stuffed on first down and then gingerly jogs off the field. Like it's not he doesn't even stay on the field for second and long. Forget third down. Like he's not even on the field for second and long. Uh I love when I have a rebound or assist under in the NBA and then I see the uh ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth men off the bench jump up and run to the scores table. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. The white flag is being waved. I'm about to cash yes. these unders. Yes. Um, you know, like things like I love seeing teams line up for a punt. Oh my God. I mean, <laughs> you know, like a safety kick is just pure sex. Like, you know, just like anything that leads to an under, yeah. uh, a, a quarterback, a quarterback dropping back and just going through literally every other receiver in his progression, except the one I have an under on. And, you know, that, that receiver's just running wind sprints like Jalen Guyton for, for 60 minutes. Like, I wow. just love those kind of things. That, that, that's what I get it through from. While so many sports fans in the world are crying, Chris Raybon <laughs> is somewhere smiling. Uh, Chris Raybon, Sean Kerner, it's been an education for sure. Thank you so much uh, for being with us here on our expert's guide to betting player props. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our other expert's guide to betting episodes. We have them for NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and more. That's all right here on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Maria Marino. Thanks again for joining us. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.